everybody. This is Keith Rainwater, your designated drummer here on the Designated Drummer Podcast. And to, today I have a very special guest in here, Keo Stroud. How's Hello. it going? Good. How are you doing, man? Good, man. Now, Keo, um, you may may have heard of him, may not. He played with Big and Rich for a long time. I did. And I can't even I can't even remember the list of all the people that you've played with <laughs> over the years. It was so. I mean, everybody, you know. And it's amazing that you've just been around that long and been doing that stuff and been so fortunate to have been playing in Nashville for so many artists. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> you must be good. You must be a really good drummer. It's a smile, man. It's a smile. I got a good smile going on. That's so what it that's, is. That's yeah. what it is. I got cool. a, a good smile and a decent two and four. So All right. There you go. A good four on the floor, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. And that. you count loud. You got to count loud. Yes. They don't like it when you don't count loud. That's They're true. Like, hey, where was two? Yeah. <laughs> It's so know, true. <laughs> I learned that from the early days. You know, if you if you just click the sticks together, and they don't like you. Got to you got to yell it out, man. That's, There's no ambiguity of where. That's the, really true. It's so funny you say that because like that is a a lost art of, is counting off songs. You know, because yeah. like you know today like everybody has tracks and stuff, and it's on the track. Yeah. But like you know, if you go play a club gig and there's no tracks, you're like. Yeah, right. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned yeah. that, man. I, you know, I think in my first uh, real pro- big professional gig where we were like made records and that kind of thing, uh, the lead singer just pulled me aside one time and said, "Dude, I, you've got to count that loud because there's like all this stuff going on, and sometimes yeah. there's an intro where someone's." Uh, uh, playing a keyboard lick or something like that, and when I count that song in mm-hmm. over whatever is going on, they got to be able to hear it. Got to so be able to I, hear it. Yep, yeah. that's true. And, and you know, it's so funny. Speaking of count, I was like, I mean, I mean you've, I'm sure you've played in a million club dates and all that. And and one of the funniest things about playing in country music is like counting off songs. Like you know, there's one, two, three, four. Right. There's three, four, one, two. Right. One, two, three. You know, there's one, two, one, <laughs> one two, two, three. three. Yeah. Or whatever. You know, yeah, it's right. Like, so, you know, it's, when it goes off the counter, it shuffles like three, four, one, two, pop, pop. You know. <laughs> right, like, yeah. You, you don't go one, two, three, four, one, two, that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, can't think of hardly any rock songs that go gunk, gunk, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the country all the time. It's like all It starts the, with yeah. the fiddle. It chick, starts with chick, the fiddle. Chick, yeah. Chick, <laughs> chick, you're like, all right. It's like the fiddle check song. Oh, it's working. Okay, sweet. Let's Have go. you ever counted off a song where you weren't you couldn't it was kind of new and you couldn't remember what the count you couldn't quite you know and they're looking at you like what what are you doing like you'll go one two one three one and they'll you just can't remember if it was one two one two three four or is it one two three four or one two or man you know funny story sir speaking of this is hilarious we're talking about this so i went out and sub for uh, Cody Johnson, uh, who's you know, is a Texas country guy, who's now I guess he's everybody's country guy now. He's blowing up, and his drum, his drummer had a baby, and so I went out and subbed for them for the weekend. And uh, he, they gave me a board tape, and it had everything, including countoffs in it. And each song kind of had its own special kind of countoff. And so not only did I have to like learn the songs, but I had to learn the countoffs. And I just remember like we, at sound because there was no rehearsal, so at sound check we were going over some stuff. And as I'm trying to count the still player in for this one section, I was like, oh boy, I'm so sorry, man. I don't know. Can we make this simpler? I got to figure, I can't, I just don't, I I mean. You couldn't wrap your brain around how how am I supposed to do this? And and, and, and at one point, because on the board tape, the guy just goes, let's go, right? And I just couldn't, and I'm like, I never say the words let's go ever in my life. And two, I got to step on a pedal, I got to put my mic, you know, and I got to, let's go. So I was like, hey man, can I just like say, like, three four and you start and he was like yeah i guess so i was like thanks man appreciate it (laughs) 
uh, well, the other guy kind of said, "Let's go." So you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was like, he, you know, and it was funny because you know they've been a, they've been playing together for years, so they, those guys have their thing. So to have someone new come in is also very strange for them, but also for me, like you know, going in and subbing a gig like that and learning every little piece of it because you want to do it right. You know, yeah. you want to you want to make sure that you know the artists and the band. They feel comfortable. They feel comfortable, yeah. and you want to do things just like the last guy did for them as much as you can. And but for some reason, I was just like, "I let's go three four, uh. let's go. <laughs> and here we go." And it, and obviously it was more of a it, it was more of a feel thing than count off thing. It was just that was just the way he just did it, and uh, and it was pretty awesome because like I, you know I, I I saw them play shortly after that, and I was like, "Oh, I know." Oh, oh, oh. He, let's go. I got all right. Okay, it goes right there. Okay, all right, I got it now. <laughs> I talked to a drummer a long time ago that said that there was a gig that he was playing for, and the guitar player who didn't had no business counting off songs would count the song off, and he has it was something. If I remember right, it was something like okay, one, two, three, ready, go. <laughs> it was almost like a start now rather than uh, giving you any kind of rhythm. You oh know? yeah, it's like oh, yeah. one, two, three, ready, go. Oh yeah, or oh. if you're working with dancers, <laughs> if you're working with dancers, the five, six, seven, eight. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah. That's that's interesting too because like that one, you know, at some point in time the two worlds can collide where you do music and and there's dancers, and so you're like, and if you're working with dancers, everything is count off five, six, seven, eight. It's not yeah. one, two, three, four. I wonder why they do that. Is it something about their moves that that there's eight of them instead of you know I that they want to I make sure that. <laughs> I, I I'm have know. to look that up. I don't know. Yeah, all the all the people and other dancers don't do that kind of dancing, so I don't. It's kind of weird. So yeah, um, uh, but yeah. I so don't if know. anybody out there is listening that, that <laughs> is in the dance world that knows the answer to this, can you chime in? <laughs> yes. and let us know why yes, yes. you say five, yes. six, seven, eight. <laughs> yeah. Caller one, you're on. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, yeah. it's. I never understood that, but yeah, it's it's funny because like when you you do that stuff, or you know, or if you start doing video stuff there's another count for that you know yeah. but then you just do stuff like that I would that. always ask the whoever I'm counting in if it's the guitar player or whoever I would always uh, you know respectfully ask them if this is this enough if I if it's just a quick if I just go one two is that enough or do you need totally. more you know yeah. I would always ask them is that not oh, yeah. quite enough or you know so that way if they feel comfortable you know that is so true or you know doing TV stuff even I mean you know you guys have done enough TV stuff where like you're on the today show and there's you got to count Songs off, and it's got to be fast. Yeah, because you're so, seconds, like they're counting down seconds. Yeah, and like, they're like, and they're counting down, and then you're waiting for someone to point at you, which is never in time. I know they. Uh, <laughs> it's never. Or you never can see them. They're high. You're in the back, and there's like a guitar player, or someone in the way. I can't see you. That's point my, at me. Those are my favorites. Like especially, if, and you, you know, you want to do it. Actually, you don't have to always do this, but you know, you typically, TV is timed out to certain things, so. Yeah. You've had to speed the songs up sometimes to get them in, or you've had to cut certain Edit sections. Them, up, you know, cut out something, and so you and you so you want to do it to a click. So that's the only way to actually have it. If you play the song the way you you arranged it, that's the only way it's going to be the same amount of time every time if you right. play it to a click. And it's so funny because sometimes it seems like when that hand comes down, and it's never when you want to go one. Oh, it's always two, yeah. Or yeah. So it's like. One, two, three, yeah. four, <laughs> you no. know, and then you and you try not to get frustrated. You have to wait like, for the next beat to come around <laughs> in your click in your ear ear monitor. And so, so and just so we were talking about counting off, and it goes on forever. But because this is something I'm really weird about. But uh, I, I I was wondering in different languages, like do people count off songs? So they go, you know, uno, dos, tres, cuatro, or you know, yeah. or you know, whatever. And I was watching this clip of Manu Cache, and he does not actually say like. Uh, numbers he just goes ta, ta, 
top like that. He says it. He like says it as he's counting off. And I was like, oh, I guess that makes sense because, like, I, you know. I, not everybody speaks the same language. Yeah. And he's and I, from, is, where is he? He's, India he's, or something, or? he's French, actually. French, okay. Yeah, and it's but it's funny because you're just like, I didn't think about that. Like, you work with all, different, all these different people. Your native language is it's French. You yeah. know English, but you, you know. And, but you might be working with some guy who's from, from Spain who speaks Spanish or somewhere else. But you, okay, so the way you do it is you go, you say this one thing, however many times you're supposed to say it, and everybody comes in. Yeah. Brilliant. That's good, <laughs> so, yeah. It's just weird. And I was like, oh, man, okay, all right, that's cool. So, Have you ever seen uh, drummers like Steve Gadd and um, uh, I want to say um, Stuart Copeland when they're doing a solo with an orchestra or something and they're playing, you have to yeah. count the band back in while yep. you're playing. And I mm-hmm. noticed it's kind of almost a... Ah, <laughs> you're sort of breathing it out. Yes, <laughs> I know. And it gives the band kind of the oh, he's counting us in. You know. Yep. Man, it's so funny you mentioned that because one of my favorite count off moments or moments of drumming, of a drummer just setting up the vibe is if you ever watched that uh, the Burning for Buddy DVD that has Steve Gad. I think it's Gad Weckle and. Or I can't appear who it is. But anyway, Steve Gad, it's Gad Buckle and Vinny. There it was. But um, the story I heard, and you and you can see it on the thing, is that basically backstage everybody is like, get the practice pads out and just ripping it up. And Steve Gad has a metronome, and he's just listening to the metronome and he's singing like the melody of the song, right? And when you watch the when you watch the DVD, as Steve Gad is walking out, he is giving the band the tempo. Oh, I see. Yeah. As he's walking out. And so then when he sits down and he goes, one, two, three, four, pop. Yeah. And the, and the band is like tight. That's awesome. I, was like, I love that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I started, I, I started doing that. I mean, I couldn't do it on the, on the I couldn't do it on the Big Richie because it's so loud. I can't be like, okay, guys, hey, we're good at this, you know. But anything else that I can have, there's a long moment where I can set something up. I go, oh, okay. This is cool. You know, because you. Basically, him him doing that let everybody know where we were, yeah. and it gave everybody enough time to kind of for the bodies to settle. Because yeah. you know, after you play one song and you go into the next song, your body is it's like working out. You know, yeah. it's like which I don't do, but I've heard it's like working out. Um, but you know, it's like you know your body is doing a certain thing, and all of a sudden you go on it to function at a different tempo. Yeah, and especially for a horn player who's using you know air to you know push push a horn uh, and all that. So it's just like, man, how. How brilliant is that to think about setting something up so everybody can kind of mellow down and then go for it? Because so many times we, you know, especially like in country music, we're going from song to song. There's, there's, there's no, no settling. Time there's to, no time yeah, to settle right. in. So settling is just us playing it enough to where we go, okay, this here, oh, this feels right. Oh, it's a little wonky, but we going to nudge it. Okay, here we are, you know. So, yeah. yeah. I was in a gig a long time ago, Canyon, the band Canyon, and uh, the, they had a drummer before me. They had a drummer. He was from France. Okay. Pat Hat was his name. And uh, the drummer they had before, Pat, was, you know, he had the metronome and he would count everything off very meticulous and you would fall into a groove and you'd play. Um, Pat came along and he had this whole philosophy of like, if I start the groove, I'll just start. The, he wouldn't even ask to do it. He would just like, he had his metronome and he would kind of look at it for a second and he'd start playing the groove. He was a great drummer yeah, and still is. And uh, he would start playing the groove and the band would kind of go, oh yeah, okay, we can just come in whenever. And they would talk to the audience and it was just kind of a, I learned that uh-huh. this was a great way 
to start out a song and establish the groove yeah. before the song comes in. It makes the band relax. They Absolutely. can count themselves in if they want to. Mm-hmm. They can talk to the audience, and it's not dead time. It's not yep. like dead air. Totally. It's like drum. Everybody loves a drum beat. You know? Everybody loves a drum beat. And, and then also it becomes kind of like this guess what the song is kind of thing, too. That's true. Because it's like a song beat going, and you're like, what? And then all of a sudden you, the band comes in, and it's that song. Oh, it's that one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that I is learned. so true, yeah. That's yeah. one of my favorite techniques of if you're not sure how to, you know, uh, come into a song, or if you want to talk to the audience for a little bit, just mm-hmm. have that drum beat going a little That's bit. That's true, you know? yeah. It's it's, it's, yeah. it's nice. It sets it up. It's, it can be hypnotic too, where like everybody's there. It's it gets filling their in the, yeah. ears with rhythm and their yep. brain. And so when they come in, there's no ambiguity about it. You know that where is the beat so is. True. You know what the tempo is, and it really helps the intro of the song. That's true. It, yep. it becomes very entertaining. I've noticed. Um, Let's talk a little bit about when how you started. Now, I did read up a little bit that you, you're born yeah. in 1980 and yep. you started playing drums in 1983. That's three years old, yep. I mean, as far as my calculator. Yes, it is three. <laughs> three three or, years old. Or my 30 gosh. in Keo years. Uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. So I grew up in a pretty musical family. Or I should say pretty, but the musical family, right? And so there was always music as a kid at the house. I grew up with my grandparents. Uh, my granddad uh, played uh, bass guitar and organ and piano. My grandmother was a singer. And then my dad played guitar. There's like cousins that play piano and all that. And I'm the only drummer basically in my family. Well, my brother plays drums now, but my, my brother's 10 years younger than me. So, oh, I see. Um, but yeah, basically, they didn't have a drummer. And so there was, a, but there was a drum set. And so I would just kind of get over and play on the drums. And at three, I wasn't very good, you know, as most people aren't good at anything when you're three. Um, but by the time I was five, I was playing at, really? at, at church. Yeah. At five? Wow, Which that's is, still really young, really super, super yeah. young. Yeah, and it was, it's, and, you know, and once again, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't like I was like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm five years old and I'm awesome. It was like, <laughs> I'm five years old you and I can keep, keep a beat. beat. Right, yeah. yeah, I can keep a beat and my dad's yelling at me to slow down. Uh, slow down, <laughs> speed up, slow down, stop, <laughs> wrong beat. <laughs> Go home. Oh. Uh, oh my gosh, wow. <laughs> you're punished. Uh, <laughs> you're yeah, grounded. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, 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 you go home and it's like, man, you know. Yeah. Well, that's good. Dis- that's that's some serious discipline. It I can kind of see how that would uh, yeah. create a good drummer in the future. Is that- it was interesting, man. Like, and and the cool thing about it was, you know, obviously we play songs as drummers. I don't. I'm not composing Terry Bazio pieces, you know. So I play drums. So my I learned early on that my role was to support the vocal and lay down a thing, and that's pretty much what I've done my entire career. Like, that, you know, anybody that comes to see me or anybody that's seen me play or hired me has ever said, man, I'm hiring Keo because, man, he plays some really great drum solos. <laughs> you know what I mean? That never right. happens. They right. go, oh, we're hiring Keo because, man, chops, you know, right. yeah, yeah he, this, we like this guy because he can, you know, you know, hit the snare drum and hit the kick drum in time, and he smiles. We like that, you know. Uh, we're, you know, we were talking about John earlier, but when I auditioned for Big and Rich, one of the funny things that he said was, he goes, man, you were my guy because you follow the vocal and you beat the shit out of the snare drum. I said, thanks, man. Cool. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, that's one thing you and I do have in common. We've both played with John Rich before. You know, John Rich was our bass player in Lone Star in the early days. Texas C starting out. And uh, Really? Yeah, Texas C was our sort of bar band name, you know, okay. back when we, before we 
decided to be Lone Star before we got a record deal. Gotcha. And when we got a record deal, they basically said, eh, you're going to have to change the name. <laughs> so, but come on, but guys. Texas E, it's like Texas and Tennessee put together because people were like, saying things like Tennessee, Tennessee, like Tennessee, uh, uh, like with a – or no, Texas C with the letter C. Uh, and they just never could get it right. And so the label was like, nah, you need something a little more mainstream. So anyway, so but John was with us for, oh, gosh, a long time. Uh Five, six years or something. I joined in 94, okay. and he left in 98. So four, okay. four years. Four years. Oh, yeah. with John, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. He it was a trip. Him. Yeah. I never, I've never, i never had the pleasure of playing him playing bass, though. He's always, he just plays acoustic with us. Right. Or, or electric. That's true. So. Yeah, that would be a little bit different. Than, so I yeah, never, that, never uh, I had to. At least I don't think, I mean, maybe at a party, he may have played bass once. Maybe. Yeah. He used to do this thing where he would play the bass, and he would... S- not when I say slap it, I don't mean like with your thumb, you know, like you slap the bass. He slapped it with his whole hand. He, <laughs> yeah. he, well, he wouldn't hit the string. The, it was holding a note, but he would slap the bass, the the body of the bass with his yeah. hand, he and it would go like I don't know why he did that. He still does but, that actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's kind of an energy thing. But uh, oh my god, and uh, he would. We would be playing in uh, the encore, which I think was uh, Life in the Fast Lane or something like that. And uh, he would just be jumping around, and he would just work himself up into a frenzy. Man, he'd be jumping around and uh, almost hyperventilating and just uh, having a great time and just going crazy, you know. So by the end of the show, when we're on, like, good night, you know, he's like, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> calm down, John. Well, you need the ambulance, bro? Are yeah, you okay? Can we, you okay? <laughs> But uh, oh uh, gosh, that's it was funny. Fun, fun uh, times. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so basically, yeah, I you know I grew up playing, just learning how to play songs, and and I played in church, and then my dad also played in a uh, top forty band that played like R and B, Motown stuff. Now was this in Nashville? The whole this time, was in or? Georgia. It was in Athens, uh, Georgia. Oh right. Okay. So yeah, so I grew up in Athens, uh, which is really cool because it's a music town. I mean, it's very much just like it's kind of like a smaller version of. Being in Nashville, you really, know, Athens, music. Georgia. Yeah, like REM. I knew Atlanta was kind of a big music hub. Yeah, so like in Athens, we had REM. You had Watch Red Panic, B fifty twos. There were a couple other smaller bands that did stuff, um, but you had like Randall Bramlett, who who uh, lived in that. He lived there, and you had. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other people, but I mean, it was it, it was a quite quite a music town, especially like in the '80s, yeah. uh, '80s going to the '90s. You had a lot of music, mostly like alternative rock stuff. Um, but then my dad had this like R&B cover band that he played in, and and I was a kid who my you know my parents were divorced, so like when I was a kid, I would always go to gigs with my dad. He would like sneak me in the bars, yeah. <laughs> so we go and watch the bands play, and eventually, they, and they had two drummers. I remember this very well. Uh, this, this guy Charles and Peanut, and I'm flaking on Peanut's real name, which I should know because I've known him for 40 years. Um, but uh, basically, uh, they had two drummers. They kind of do the James Brown thing, and because that was the vibe they were going for, they're like this Motown review with some James Brown, with you know, with all the classic R&B soul stuff. And uh, I would I would go watch them play, and every now and then they would let me sit in, and I would sit in and play, especially if they play like an outdoor festival or something. Like, I'd go sit in, and then when Charles ended up getting cancer. I came. I became the second drummer. All right. And well, how old were you a, then? I was ten. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. 10. I was ten, maybe twelve. I mean, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. I was. Tw- I was ten. Ten to twelve, because I think I was still in elementary school. As, oh, yeah. So I was like fifth grade. Yeah. So whatever. 
So I'm fifth. I'm just fifth yeah, like grader. He can only play three songs. He's got to go do his homework. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, it's probably fifth grade. So yeah, whatever. You, how old you are in fifth grade? So yeah, I was right. doing that. Wow. And then he, then he came back for his thing. He came back, and I went back to just playing at church and playing around. Uh, but I never. What's really goofy is I never grew up playing in like bands, like garage bands. Like a lot of people, like oh man. What about like, school like, band? Were you in the school band? I did. I did school band. Uh, what did you, know, you play there? Drum, like snare drum. I or played something? snare drum. Yeah. yeah. In marching band, I, and I, and in college, I played tenors uh, for for college. But I love timpani, so I played a lot of timpani in high school. Um, I played drum set in jazz band. I'm not a great mallet player, so I was really really bad at mallets. So I didn't do that at all. Cause you almost got to be a piano player to do that. Yeah, my daughter, it. she loves that. My daughter's into to mallets, so she. Plays mallets, plays snare drums. She plays drums. She actually surprised me the other day. I said the other day, but a couple weeks ago, she was over and she sat down and just started playing drum set. And I was like, I didn't know you played that well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> How old is she? She just turned 15. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. 15 yesterday. So happy birthday. Yeah. Um, oh, happy birthday. What's her name? <laughs> her name's Ava. Ava? Yeah. Happy birthday, Ava. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it was pretty funny. She, she sat down and she played this. It was a holiday by Green by Green Day, yeah. which I kind of never really heard the song before because I live in our rock. But she did, she did it, and I was <laughs> like, "Whoa, uh, all right, <laughs> oh, well, I guess you play drums too." Okay, Does she want a kit now. So yeah, so I have to, yeah. And we went over. It's so funny because she was in town, and we went over to Pearl, like Pearl Drums, is you know just south of here. And so we went over to say hey to some friends over there, and she saw this drum set, and she was like, "Dad, I want this." And I was like, honey, that's $5,000. <laughs> you have a job. <laughs> right. Maybe mm. when you, maybe, maybe a graduation gift. <laughs> there when, you go. Yeah. Let me, let me put some money away first. Yeah. You know, how about you start saving for it? <laughs> so what was your first? Uh, so you always had drums around. You didn't I ever did. Did have sort of like your first kit or anything like that. Your first kit was basically yeah, when you were born. Yeah. I had a, well, like I got. My own, like, first, because I was, you know, obviously I'm little. I'm still little, by the way. I'm very short. I say very short, but I'm short. Um, so the kick drum, the kit that I learned how to play drums on uh, was a very, very massive kit. It was, remember the Octoplus kit by Ludwig? Okay. So yeah. it's basically 6 through 18. Oh, my God. Two wow. 24s. Oh, my goodness. So imagine. A 10-year-old, <laughs> yeah. much less a 5-year-old. Yeah. On imagine little me doing that. Um, so when I was 4... My dad, I think I was around four. Four, my dad bought me a 20-inch kick drum and 12, 14. And it was a, and the drums, I think they were called Lotus. I've never, you know, Japanese, you know, cheap right, Japanese okay. kit. I think it's called Lotus or whatever. And then, the, and then the next year, my dad bought me a Pearl kit. So when I was five, he bought me a, a Pearl kit. With the same size as the 20 and the... I got it. I, got, I ended up getting a 22, uh, but we got 22... 12, 13, 16, one symbol. I remember that very well. Like, I, got, I had a, I had a, like a crash tw- ride or something? Yeah, like a crash ride. Yeah. Like a 20 or tw- yeah, 20 inch crash ride. Now, I did notice, I was looking on your page, and one thing that just kind of, I noticed right away that I was like, wow, 16 inch hi hats? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, when I went to 15s, from 14s to 15s, that to me was just like 15s were huge because oh, yeah. I saw Kenny Aron- Aronoff. Oh, yeah. Uh, his, I didn't see him, but I, I was 
setting up my drums in the studio and they were just tearing his down because he had already left uh-huh. doing a Jake Owen session or something like oh, that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, they said, yeah, you just missed Kenny Aronoff. He was just here, you know, and it was like, there's still wood chips on the floor and stuff. <laughs> and I looked over and it had 15 inch hi-hats and I was like, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. So when I, I'm a, been a Zildjian endorser forever. So I, uh-huh. the next time I ordered cymbals, I said, I'll try some of those 15 inch hi-hats. And I saw yours were 16 and I was 16, like, wow. Yeah. yeah. They're actually, you know, it's funny. They're actually 16 and a half. Really? You measure, You actually measured it. Like, well, uh, I got to make them. Oh, you did? So Yeah, so I got to go to Canada to the Savian factory. Wow. Uh, me, Nick Buda, Ben Caesar, Herb Schuker, we all went up. Uh, I had, I've had Ben on my podcast before. Oh, okay, Caesar. cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Caesar. So uh, Ben's like my best friend, by the Is way. Is he really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, he's cool. my homie. Like, I, see I him. noticed he was one of your inspirations. Yeah, so. I see him too much. We hang out way too much. I'll <laughs> see him good. later today, actually. Um, but uh, he and I got to go up and make our own symbols from Sabian. That's awesome. And he has, so I have, mine are 16 and a half, and he has a 15 inch, like, sisters to them. Yeah. So we made two sets of those, and we made a set of uh, Omni, like, uh, ride symbols together also. Do you decide uh, how thick they're going to be and all that stuff? Or yep. By, when you turn them, when you so, do the turning? Yeah. So basically, wow. they had these symbols. It's different, like, nerding out about symbols right now, because it's pretty fun. So what we ended up doing is we ended up taking a 18 uh, inch flat ride. Okay. Uh, that was fairly thick, flat ride, and then we took a uh, 17-inch uh, orchestral top mm-hmm. cymbal, and so we had the guys, we go, hey, man, like, so let's cut these down. He's like, do you want to be 17s? I was like, I don't know. He goes, 16s? I was like, eh, 16s. I go, can we do 16 and a half? <laughs> <laughs> there and they go. go yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we sure can. 16 so. and three quarters, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's what we did. They, they they cut them down right there. Oh, that's great. And then we listened to them. Like, we just put them together. We heard them. And then I was like, oh, it'd be really cool if this was a little, a little bit thinner. Oh, so they pop it back up on the lay. The, mm-hmm. Is it on the lathe, still yeah. like the big stone yeah, turning big, lathe that's mm-hmm. like vertical that you just flap it up there and they stand yep. there and then put that's a it. knife against it? That's it, yeah. Wow. So I was like, yeah, I think I want to take some of this and blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, hey, can we like – make the edges thinner and like oh yeah, wow, and, yeah. and then next thing you know we and that's the sound and, and that's wh- that's the hi-hat sound wow so, were you amazed when you first heard oh, them on the kit like oh, when you yeah. put them on the kit and oh yeah when, wow. I, when, I, when, cause when they when they showed up it was pretty awesome because this the hi-hats were 16 and a half the crashes were 22 23 and the ride symbol was a 26. Wow. Which is like way Dang, too Dang, They don't even make a, a case for them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A gong case. True story. They fit in the gong yeah. case. Uh, and, the, and the 26 crash ride. Wow. With, like with holes Six. in it. And it, man, it wow. was. It sounded so cool, and it was so fun. Anyway, it was. What's it that was so one that looks like a, a China symbol that has the whole holes? Oh, the ozone, yeah, in, the, the, in a circle. Yeah, the ozone symbol. Is that, what yeah. is that? What's the sound? What's the? It's just a drier kind of like a, a faster symbol. It yeah. just kind of gets out of the way. Yeah, like psh, you know, That's kind cool. of thing. And then, we, and while we were there, we actually made an octagon shape one. Also, remember they had the octagons back in those, the day. Yeah, yeah. So we have those, and we put holes in that. And oh, when I was wow. playing with, so cool. It's so funny when I was playing with Hank Jr. Uh, that was my main crash symbol. <laughs> so Hank play. Jr. three, right? Hank, oh, Hank Jr. Like Hank Jr. Jr. Oh, like, oh like, Hank. Oh, I'm sorry. I was yeah. Hank Williams. Hank Jr. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I know it's so funny because when I when I do say that when people go, oh, you play with Hank three, I was like, oh no, I play with his dad. Yeah. <laughs> and they go, his dad. They go, Hank. Hank Jr. Hank the only Jr. Hank Jr. <laughs> and they go, wow. really him? I go, yeah, I did that. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, cool. cool. Are you that old? Yes. Uh, yeah. But. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was funny, and that symbol's a 22, so I had a 22 Roctagon Ozone here, 22. I put the 26 ride, a 24-inch China, and then the hi-hats 
were just 16s. They they weren't the they weren't the other ones. Those those were out with Big and Rich by that time because I did both gigs at the same time. I was doing oh wow Hank Sing and Big and Rich like at the same time for about. I don't see how you do that? How do you keep up with months. all the songs for one thing? It was tough. <laughs> it was songs and scheduling. It's yeah. You spend a lot of time in the airport. You're just like, All right. oh, where am I going today? Who am I playing with? Mm, okay, yeah. What do I need to study? What song do I need to listen to again? <laughs> yeah. so, and just but, pray that they don't add a song or that they don't change, make any changes. You, that's funny you say that because my first gig with Hank, second gig with Hank, he did do that. He started OD in Denver second, and I'd never heard it before. Wow. And I just, he's just, he, he like, strum a chord and he sang the first words I looked over at the steel player and he goes 6-8 in <laughs> <laughs> and he did wow, he just, he just guided did. me in I was like alright okay, and I just looked at him and I was like just tell me when it ends just tell me <laughs> like, <laughs> sucks or if I'm doing it <laughs> tell me just when to give stop me a playing. nod yes yeah. or no <laughs> yeah tell me to stop playing okay just <laughs> oh yeah that's the hardest when you're sitting in and something like how does this end Oh man! We can start it, but how are we ending this? Oh, that's the tough. Like ending songs sometimes can be, can be rough. I I heard, I can't remember who this was, but I heard a story about a drummer who played in a pretty famous band or situation where he couldn't end songs, so he would just drop his sticks. Oh wow! So like, really? Yeah, and, and it's funny that he would, you know, be playing along and so like, and it'd be like recording. He was like. On on the on the record, he's playing, and then it was sounding the song. He's just dropped his sticks. Like he just didn't have the capacity, the mental yeah, capacity just, to just, end the song. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow. okay, oh, I'm, here we, I'm done. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> wow. here, here we are, guys. Uh, <laughs> that would be kind of a cool ending on a record, you know? Just like the sticks just go. <laughs> <laughs> I heard, I did hear a song that they did on a record where you hear him putting the, you know, how you put your sticks back on the snare and oh, yeah. kind of go. Like that, instead of it. I heard a song that ended like that. Maybe that was that guy. Maybe that was him. Yeah, I was like, oh, oh, that's what you're known for. So, so that is so cool. So um, you were in high school, obviously in band, yep. like playing marching and stuff like that. Did mm-hmm. you? You said you weren't in any garage bands or anything. No, but, I just played my dad's band. Yeah, like or well, my dad's friends who had bands. They'd be like, hey, can your son come play drums? Sure. <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Or, but it was never like I never had like that. Hey, me and my friends are getting together and jamming in my parents' garage. Yeah. Like, I just never did that. If I jammed with anybody, it was with my dad and my granddad. Wow, that's awesome. Which is kind of... And in a town like Athens, where there's music everywhere, you know, yeah. you think. So it was like... And yeah, I mean, no, there were bands all over, but I was just kind of this... So this would have been kid. about 92, 3, something like yeah. that. Yeah, I'm just kind of a weirdo kid who didn't really do much. I just, like, I played drums and hung out with my folks. You know, I had... I still to this day don't have like a ton of friends. I mean, yeah. I guess I, I probably do now, but like, you know, I was pretty limited in, in things that I did growing up. So basically, I was like, I play drums, I read modern drummers, I listen to music, and then like I try to hang out with my folks. That That's was pretty so much awesome. that great. was pretty much my life. What about practicing? Did you uh, I did a lot have of a practice room uh, that you could? I, that was in the garage. So I did, yeah. and uh, and my grandparents were very very nice, and they allowed me to play drums at any time of the day. Really, and that meant. Three, four, five o'clock in the morning. Even sometimes. Oh my gosh! Wow. Now, sometimes <laughs> you might be playing drums and you get a little little whack upside the head. Like, what are you thinking about right now? It's three o'clock in the morning. But uh, but they would. Like, I would play. I would try to play quiet. I, I just. It was so funny because like I mean you. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but like I've had this great need and want to just be playing drums. 
and to be a drummer. Like, I didn't know how to be a professional drummer, but I knew that I wanted to play drums, and I knew I, that I had this, this passion about the instrument and how I felt when I played the instrument and that I wanted to be good. And I remember very well, I was like, my goal in life is I want to play drums for MC Hammer. <laughs> right. That's never happened. But it's funny that but I, I had that. And then we're talking about high school. So when I, when I get into high school, was it Brooks and Dunn? I forget when they hit when, when they hit the scene. So it was like 90. Early 90s. Yeah, early 90s is when they kind of did a thing. 92. And I had a stereo. And I just kind of was, you know, going through and hit this country station that had no, you know, no static, basically. Like, everything else was like, <laughs> and then it was like, out in the country. I was like, oh. <laughs> wow, that's clear. Yeah, that's clear. <laughs> well, I'm going to play to this. And that's how I learned how to play country music <laughs> was that, that at one radio station worked really? in my in my garage. And you would just play to whatever was on the I would just play radio. What, that yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a clue who any of these people were. I have a clue. <laughs> Garth this, Brooks, Garth, yeah. who's that? What is that? Yeah, I didn't, I, you know, and then, I, and what's funny is, I remember, so this would have been, I guess, yeah, like, 90-whatever, I remember when Garth Brooks did the, the big tour, and they had the drums and the shield, because all of my friends went to Atlanta, to the Omni, to go see it. I say friends, but kids yeah. in high school, like, that was, like, their big concert they went to go to, and I was like, oh, cool, like, what songs is he saying? And they were telling me, I was like, oh, I think I hear him on, the, on my radio. I think I played to that before. I think I played that before. <laughs> and so and then, then you went to the concert and you did. You're like, you're, oh yeah, I know that song. Yeah, and then CMT came along with GAC and CMT mm-hmm. came along, and then I was like, oh, that's who sings. Oh, that's the person. Oh, oh you know. Yeah. I started to put putting two and know, two together. Yeah. Putting two and two together, and and one of the funniest things I remember very well, uh, Wade Hayes, uh, the day she left Tulsa. I read that video. Very well. It was like one of the first country videos yeah. I saw. And then fast forward years later, that was my first country gig in oh, Nashville. Wow. That's right, Wade Hayes. Okay. Yeah, I did I did the Wade Hayes thing and cool. you know, it was it was just funny like to go back and, and see that. And uh what's really funny is my dad had to sing a uh he had to sing a song at a wedding and it was amazed. Really? And and so he <laughs> it's actually a really funny story. So we're driving along and he's like He's listening to the music and he's like singing along and you know because there's, there's no internet in those days to go get the lyrics. Yeah. And I can't remember if the lyrics were in the album cover or not, but either way, like he's singing along, he's trying to remember the song, trying to get it together, and then he had the, the album cover and I was like, oh man, what's this? He's like, ah, some some band sounds pretty good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> they sound all right. They should, they should stick with it, maybe. Lonely grill, lonely girl, lonely gr- lonely grill. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it was so funny because he was like, I was like, oh, cool, man. And then like, you know, once again, years later, like I meet all of you guys, and I, I, I actually I don't think I told my dad I even met you guys. <laughs> so it's well, now you can tell him you're on my podcast. I should, I should, I should right? tell him. Remember that band, Lone so, Star? Hey, remember that, that band? band? Uh, but yeah, it was, it was really funny. But he was. He was having to learn this song, and, and I remember seeing the CD, like the CD cover, and I was like, cool, Lone Star, Lonely Grill. All right, cool. Oh, cool. All right. And then, you know, then it was like I said, yeah. just years later of coming here and seeing, like, basically, like, putting two and two together, small world. Like, the world gets smaller. Uh-huh, yeah. When, like, when I moved to Nashville, like, everything I saw just got smaller, and I was like, oh. Now, when was that? When did you move to Nashville? I moved to Nashville officially 2001, but I was here in 2000. Um, my dad's buddy had a band, like a, once again, like another cover, like R&B cover band, that was based here, and they came to Athens one time, and the drummer didn't make it. 
Um, so um, they asked my dad if I'd play drums, and I did. Was and, it one of those uh, where he spontaneously exploded and combusted, <laughs> yeah. like on of some uh, sort? Of, yeah, of some sort. He did do that. <laughs> he didn't make it. What he happened to your drummer? He blew up. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. But like, yeah, the guy didn't show up, and they just called and were like, "Hey, man!" Like, uh, I remember it actually very well because I was in California that morning. Um, I was doing a, re- a random tour. As I talked about how I never played in garage bands, I never played in a garage band, but uh, I did play in a, a band called Flood City Shootout for like one tour. Uh, they were doing, they were opening for, oh my God, for like, uh, Southern Culture on the Skids. I think that's the name of the band. Okay. That sounds like a really long name, but I think they were op- they were opening for them. So they, I need, they knew I played drums. So that was like kind of my first hired, hired gun gig. But I flew out to California for like a two week tour. Cool. Um, while out there, my great grandfather died, so I had to fly home. So I flew home. I was so I flew home for the funeral. Came home, you know, did the funeral. I was there. At, I was back at, back at home, and my dad's buddy goes, "Hey, man, can you, your son want to play drums?" So I did. I played drums, and when we were done, he's like, "If you want to move to Nashville, man, you start in two weeks." Wow. And so I was you- like, "Okay." That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's another thing you and I have in common. We <laughs> yeah. both moved to Nashville with a gig. Yeah, like with it, like you have a job playing drums. You know, just find a place to live. Pretty <laughs> much, only, that was it. Yeah. yeah, and and I and it was funny because I crashed on the bass player's couch um, because I was still in college. So because I so I did go to college for like two years or two and a half years. So I would go to school. I would drive back to Georgia, not to Athens, but to Atlanta, basically. Which is only what four hours from here, right? I think that's right. Yeah. I would drive back there, go to school Monday through Wednesday, and then Wednesday night when I was done, I'd drive back to Nashville, go see the Wooten brothers play Wednesday night. Oh yeah. And right. then we would play Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you know, like you know the the SEC circuit basically with this with this cover band, and then you know it's always like frat party on Thursday, some sort of club on Friday, and then Saturday be wedding. That was kind of like, that was kind of how we rolled, and that was, and I did that for a year and a half. Before getting the Wade the Wade Hayes thing, which wow, is cool. like, you know I guess that's two thousand two or two thousand three, because at one point in time I was doing both of those because I was like, cause I remember people saying, hey man, you know you get a country gig, it's good for the summer, but the winter, nothing. Yeah, and there's, unless you get a big gig, you nobody's gonna keep paying you. So I st- I kept that other cover big gig going. That's cool. In, in, you know, and then to, to the point where I got too busy to do it, and I was like, okay. I cover band gig. All right, I'm doing. I guess <laughs> I'm go. a country guy now. You know, so. <laughs> I am now a country drummer. I'm now a country drummer. That's I just right. got my first cowboy hat like two years ago, though. So yeah, I, I'm a little late on that on that part of it. But the one training for country drummer is got to count one, two, three, four, one, two. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yes. Uh, once you know that. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I played in a band down in Texas where every, the fiddle player was the leader of the band, and uh-huh. he used to start off the songs, every song, with chunk, 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 even cocaine by uh, 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 oh, Eric Clapton. Clapton. <laughs> it was like chunk, chunk, da-da-da-da, do-do-do. <laughs> Swear to God. Every song was chunk, chunk. Oh. That's pretty but, funny. Uh, <laughs> that's the stuff you got to learn being a country drummer. That's that's true. How to adapt that's, to that. that and you got the cross stick, man. The you cross gotta, stick got to have a strong. You, you got to have a cro- song, yeah, cro- uh, a strong cross stick. If not, it's it's over. Or yeah. you had the was it the Elises, the the D the D four D four with the pole cat with, with the, the pole, cat. pole yes. that you hit it and, and it would. Yeah, we had that for so long, and finally our guitar player said, "What's why don't you just." 
play the stick like the real <laughs> stick and i was just like well because sometimes when i'm a loud snare hitter yep. so when i hit the stick it's quiet in comparison he said well learn how to hit that stick harder so i did yeah i did i learned from this cajun guy how to how to have how to you, you drop this you find the sweet spot and i put a little take a sharpie and mark it where mm-hmm. the sweet spot where i put the butt of the stick down and you drop it and you hold you're, you you let it drop and you yep. just hold it in place with the edge of your hand so yep. you let it kind of ring let a little ring. bit yep. you know? and that man I tell you yep it's it like works. playing the clave like yeah yeah the, it's like, the, yep yeah I, and if it, you don't have that sweet spot it just doesn't have sound the same so either. true because you know like Vinny Caliuta has one of the loudest cross sticks if yeah, you ever see him right. play it's like wow and he has a tight snare I think yeah. to amplify it even more it, yep. right? yeah and I was like man like how's he doing that and then I was talking to my buddy Marcus Finney he was like hey man like you gotta let that thing go like you, you don't, gotta let it go you yeah, don't hold it. on to it you hold on to it you, you just yeah. you basically you do a thing you're throwing you're just it keeping it from rolling away that's basically it. with your with your the you just, edge of your hand yeah and, and I, for years I had calluses right here I still do <laughs> on the edge of my hand from just holding that stick there from popping that thing yeah. and holding it you know yep. but uh yeah um, so let's see, 2002, three, you were yeah. Wade Hayes and um, just taking any, pretty much any Anything, gig that yeah. you could when you weren't. You oh, know. yeah. Cause I was like, well, I'm here. I am very broke. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, because, you know, you have a gig even in the early 2000s, you know, I can't remember how much money we were making. But like, you know, if you're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday steady and you're making more than $200 a show, you're, you know, you're doing 300, $600 a week. In Nashville in those days, 600 bucks a week was fine. You could live off 600 bucks a week. You could pay to get an apartment for, yeah. you know, five oh. or 600 a month or something Man, like that. my first apartment in Nashville was 380 Wow, nice. Now that place is uh, $1,400. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you I got in, in on a, if I, you Yeah, you know, and I got in on a deal. I, I had to sign. Looking back on it, it was stupid. I signed a three-year lease. Wow, that's odd. Yeah, and that's how I got it so cheap. Oh, I see. Yeah, okay. Because they were like, "Oh, where are you going to be here?" And then when it was time to, to re-up it, it was like it went up two hundred dollars. Oh yeah, right. Which was still cheap. That was that was like five eighty. So like, in a way, oh. it's a good thing you got locked in for three years. And yeah. So it was it was cool. Cheap but rent like, for three years. Okay. I, and I took it. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> that was the, just hope that your neighbors are are kind. Yeah. You know. That was <laughs> that was not, another story. That was, right? that was different. That's a different story. I even found a dude floating dead in our pool one what? day. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. Like I went oh to go, uh, I was doing laundry, and I was like, ah, some guy face early. down, yeah, was holding like, his breath. It was, well, it was, it was funny because I just saw someone. I was like, ah, oh, I guess that's early to be floating around the pool, whatever. <laughs> in his clothes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so then I I put my clothes in the, in the laundry and I walked back, and I was and I, I was like. He's in the same position. So I just oh walked up and I was like, oh. oh that's not good. And, it, and by that time, the, the, the girls that work in the office were coming in. And so I just, I, just, I waited outside the office. I was like, hey, guys, there's a dead guy in the pool. <laughs> Don't scream. Don't freak <laughs> out. And, guy I, and they were like, you're joking. Because I got, I got to know them. I was always uh-huh. late with my rent. So I, I got to know them very well. Um, and I was like, oh they're like, gosh. no. And I was like, no, no, seriously. So like, this just go ahead and call the, you know, call, call whatever, you know, one or whatever it is. Don't even go look. Just do it. The guy's dead. And they were like, okay. <laughs> so, but it, but anyway, wow. that's, that's it's talking about random stories of living in places, but that's that's one of them. That and my car got broken into several times also. 
Which is like the welcome to Nashville. I'm not sure yeah. that happened to you or not. It did, I had the same thing happen to me. The very yeah. first time I came to Nashville to rehearse with the guys. I didn't even have a place to stay yet. And I had a, a couple cameras and a, a cell phone in yeah. 1994. There weren't a lot of cell phones back then. But you had yeah. like a kind of a car phone. Oh, yeah. Kind of, not a bag. It's one step up from a bag phone, basically. Okay, yeah. It's a big kind of heavy brick thing. And they stole that, and they stole a couple of cameras and stuff out of my truck while we were rehearsing in the rehearsal place in yeah. West Nashville somewhere. So it was like, welcome to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. it is, I mean, that is like the welcome to Nashville. Yeah, like, oh, totally. you're, oh, your car got broken into. Cool. Well, The good well. news is you got a gig. The bad news is you just had all your stuff stolen. <laughs> yeah. So good luck with that. <laughs> so. I know. I was, uh, I was at a... I forget the name of the place now. A boardwalk cafe, I think is what it was called. That was the the first time it happened. I was like playing a gig and then it came out and I was like, Well, I don't have any golf clubs anymore. Good thing is I don't like golf, so I'm okay with them being gone. I don't have to worry about those green fees now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, or a place to store them or anything yeah, like that. But I kinda wanted the symbols that were in there. Okay. Oh man. That's... All right. You know, that was that was the. It's probably happened ten times though. Which is, oh yeah. Which is goofy. That's no, it's horrible to say. Man, my my car's been broken through ten times. Of the natural, like, but only ten. What? <laughs> yeah. oh, you're lucky. Yeah, it's like, uh, well. So. so now, did you start playing in the studio? Where you obviously, you probably since you were a kid. But I mean, like when you came to Nashville, did you start getting calls for doing I did. some sessions? I, 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 I'm trying to think of the first. Like, I, actually, the first session I did in Nashville was for those karaoke. Uh, sound alike things. Okay, yeah, that's doing, interesting. I did some of those, cool. and that was and that was two thousand two. I bet Amaze was one of them. Yeah, because that was a huge karaoke <laughs> at that time. It definitely was. That was a huge karaoke song. And I remember, man, we. It was kind of a goofy thing because you know it was like it was a bunch of dudes who I didn't know who uh, now I can't remember who they are even now, but everybody's kind of had their career go, in 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 fun places. But we all just sat there for days. And just just cutting out these songs. So, what and, are we doing today? We're doing Brooks and Dunn. We're yeah, doing, <laughs> yeah. And it was like Junior. it was like where do we go? You know, you do all those. So I remember doing that. I did a lot. Were of, they charted out? Um, you, they were charted out. Yeah. Like listen to it, try to catch as, as, as everything as much as possible, and then that was kind of it. You know. Um, and then I did a lot of. Uh, How many a day of those? What you do? Oh, you do. Was 20. it crank them out? Twenty a day. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You just. There. You Did it start, pay pretty good, or was it like kind of? Yeah. It was no, it wasn't very good actually. <laughs> it was horrible. It was like I think we even got like limited press for like you know. Oh really? So it was like three sessions a day. So it was like so what, seven hundred bucks I think yeah. for the day, which in those days that was good I money. Drums. You know, yeah, play drums today. Yeah. I know. Good training too, I would say for. It, it was great. Yeah, and I think we did like four or five days of that, uh, and then I did a bunch of like random like projects for people just like hey man like you play drums and i want to record a song and my buddy's got a studio i'm trying to get this demo to give to yeah you know whoever else can you know i got 25 bucks and he's like yeah you know sure and i remember one time talking to greg morrow about it i was like man like i want to be where you are i want to be doing this thing and he said take every session you can take yeah because just make sure they pay you something yeah i'm gonna go right. okay all right and so that's what i did and some of it turned into other things. Some of them never turned into anything at all. It's yeah. experience. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's a yeah. physical experience of doing it. You know. Exactly. And in, and one of the fun things that kind of came from that was from doing it, I did. I got to meet a bunch of different people. So I'm forgetting what year this is, but let's just say 2005. It's, it's 2004 or 5. 
I think it was 2005, 2004. There we go. Sorry, I'm like going back and forth in my brain. 2004, um, I'm at home in that that same apartment uh, complex, and a buddy of mine calls and says, hey, man, can you come play this gig? Um, the drummer broke his foot. And I was like, sure, when's the gig? He said, 30 minutes ago. Oh, my God. I go, right well, now. would I have to bring a drum set? And he was like, Yes. <laughs> I was like, well, I'll Can be I there. Can I take a shower? And no. I was like, oh, well, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Like, let <laughs> I me mean, pack, you know, because, you know, Nashville, you get anywhere in 15 minutes in those days. So I was like, all right, cool. So I did. I, I packed up a kick snare hat, you know, and I drove down the Judge Beans, uh, that was, which was off of Wedgwood at that time. And I met this guy, Clint Ingersoll, who was a songwriter, who was, he had this gig. I forget what day it was. It was like a Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday or Thursday. It wasn't a Friday. One of those days, but it wasn't Friday. Um, so anyway, we, we I played the one gig with him, and it went well. And Clint liked me. I liked Clint. I liked everybody in the band. And the next week, they were like, hey, man, so the drummer still has a broken foot. So want to play? And I was like, yeah. And it was an easy gig, two hours, you know, as opposed to the four-hour gig. It was right. two hours. Yeah. And then you got, like, 75 bucks and food which was like sweet. There you go. <laughs> I was like, oh, fat guy likes to eat. I like barbecue. All right, let's do this. Uh, and then, but but Clint was a songwriter. He yeah. had a pub deal, and so he wrote with a bunch of different people, like Jeremy Spillman and you know like Zach Brown, Randy Rogers, uh, Wade Bowen, um, Stony. Uh, you know, he just he wrote with a bunch, Trent Wellman. He wrote with all these different dudes who were kind of up and comers as songwriters and artists. At that time, you know, and you got like, to play on their demos or whatever. And that's, that was a deal. So I, yeah. I, uh, Clint was like, "Hey man, like I like the way you play. Like, do you do session stuff?" When I was like, "Of course, oh yeah, yeah, I do session stuff." And so he was like, "Man, I'm gonna get you in on my stuff." And so he did. And so I played on most of Clint's demos, which then led me to doing some of the Randy Rogers demos. I did stuff for Arliss Albritton, uh, Al, uh, Al Anderson, now, all these random people that just started, you know. They started calling me, and, and Eddie Bears was super nice. He would throw me demos if he was, like, double booked or something. That's Mark awesome. Beckett would do the same thing. And so I, the next thing you know, I kind of had, like, this strange, like, demo session career. What am I going to say that I was, like, killing it? Like, I wasn't, like, yeah. I wasn't doing, like, Tommy Harden and those guys where it's, like, you know, yeah. hey, we'll, we'll move the session for you if you can't do it. Like, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't that dude. It was, like, I was more of, like, a, hey – can you play tomorrow because I have something else going on? And I was like, yeah. yes, I can play tomorrow. And, and and some of it was then people, you know, people calling and wanting me also to do it, which is which was great, uh, which is fun. I did that for eh, probably four or five years, but I was also touring with this guy Rodney Crowell. I say this guy, but you know, with yeah. Rodney Crowell. Rodney Crowell. Wow. Uh, and so and Rodney used me on some of his stuff, and then some of his friends would use me, which you know turned out to be like like his ex-wife, like Roseanne, it'd be some, I never did an Emmy record, I don't think, but I did some, we did some like, like Will Kimbrough, did some stuff with him, like Jed Hughes. What was the first like, actual record that you played on? Like, like actual, that was, you could buy and. What's funny, well, the first actual record I did was, I was like 15. Oh, okay. okay right. I did a record with my dad for like a gospel thing. The, that was like the first that must have been quite the experience being, it was. you know, a good drummer that you were because you've been playing since you were three. Learn. But all of a sudden, now you're in the studio where everything is more scrutinized and more like, you well, know, down to the wire. That was a lot to learn. I was like, yeah. oh, man. Did you play I to am, a click then or, well, or were you expected or did you just lay down a groove? That's a funny thing. Uh, yes, but I could not do it. Um, ah. And it was very weird. So I got called in to do this. 
it's a very humbling story in, in a lot of ways where like I just couldn't get I just couldn't we do all it. have those like, we all have those like, moments just, of like okay I know I, not I was, to do that just, again I was like I'm a horrible drummer I can't play to a click I never even thought about playing to a click like what's what's this clicking thing right <laughs> And so I could play to the radio, but I can't play to a click. <laughs> I remember very well. So the guy that was co-producing it with my dad's guy named Don, he just said, "Hey man, so like, you know, time is money. You play great, but you can't play to a click." And he was like, "So we're gonna bring someone else in to play drums." And I was like, "Crushed," you know, because but you know, yeah. but at the same time, I get it. I'm like, "I understand this is what I do. I, this I, is yeah, what I'm you know, do. I can't do this. So yeah, you guys bring someone else." And then he literally said, "He goes, we're gonna go to lunch." And I'm going to leave the metronome going. And it's in your headphones. And it's a drum kit. And I was like, okay, I, I get what you're saying. So they went to lunch, and I stayed, and I played to the I played just me playing drums with a click. Yeah. And with an hour, this sounds hilarious. With an hour, I was good. Was it a thing where you just brought the volume up more, and you could, like, live it and breathe it yeah. instead of it being it was, getting lost? It was, it was, I was intimidated by it. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, obviously the rest of the band is kind of waving. Yeah. And I just grew up with the thing where you, oh, you just go with the band kind of thing. And it's like, oh, no, 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 no. No, no, this is you are, this is this is it right here. You do this thing. And so after an hour of that, I did it. And we came in and we tracked a different song. And they were like, okay, so wow. you can do this. I go, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I accidentally just, learned I, how to play to a click. All of a yeah, I just didn't know. Lunch. Yeah, I just started, didn't know but, uh, how play. to do this. But yeah, and it was, <laughs> and so that was kind of how that happened with that. That was man, I was so I was fifteen. So, so like was it sort of like from then on? From then on, you could play to a click. From yeah. that that sort of from that moment on, yeah, I could do it. Heightened, like I got to learn this. And it was hilarious. I used to think. Yeah. So I would just wake up every day and uh, and play to like I had a, a tam rhythm watch. I would put it on, and I would just start playing, using it every yeah. day. I still do that to some degree. Um, I remember, and what's so funny is the next time I did a session, which was like six months after that, I went to sleep listening to the metronome. Oh, wow. I played on 60 BPM, and I just went to sleep to it, wow. which is super annoying, by the way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very annoying. But I... I was very... I had read somewhere that someone did that, and I was like, I'm going to... I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it, and it works. It, it's like I, I, I can't say I have the best time in the world, but yeah. like, but I was doing everything I could to make sure that I would never get replaced on something like that. Yeah, right. You know, make so. sure it's sort of tattooed in your brain in some way. You know, to, exactly. Yeah, and I think, and so we're talking about the first record. The first record I think I did in Nashville was with Beth Nilsson Chapman. That was in 2004. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the record um, at all, which is horrible. So I should, I should know that. Um, but that was that came at, the, at, at a recommendation of Rodney Crowell. Yeah. He recommended for that for that session, which I thought was really cool. And I ended up doing that. And then the next thing it did, we it, the record never came out, but it was it's actually really funny. Rodney recorded a record called Sex and Gasoline that we did in Nashville, and then he was like, um, I, I think I want to do something different. So he re-recorded that entire record in California with with a whole other band and wow. a different totally different vibe and that Crazy. one came that one that's wow. the record that came out which is a great record so no one's like I was not mad about it and I was like well it'd been cool to have that out whatever um but he did that so and then 
Imagine but, just having the freedom to do that, to just say, yeah, you know what? Tell your record label that <laughs> yeah. all this money you spent and time and effort on this, I'm just going to kind of switch. Yeah. You're like Steely Dan would do. You yeah, know? yeah, They'd exactly, bring in a yeah. whole other band the next yeah. day to do the same song with yeah. a whole different great band. What's, and it's actually funny you mentioned Steely Dan because uh, that record at, uh, in 95 when I was a kid, uh, the reference of Steely Dan came up for the first time. Yeah. I'd never heard this band before called Steely Dan. Wow. And I was like, wow. What's a Steely Dan? Who's Steely yeah. Dan? What's the? I don't get this. And I don't, you put the I, headphones on, and you're just like, wow. And the guy who played me, oh he played God. me Bad Blood Sisters. Oh, okay. And I was like, I, yeah. oh, I like, oh, I like this. Oh, this yeah. is good. Okay, I'm down with this. So, you learned the Purdy Shuffle. I uh, did. I, I learned the Purdy Shuffle. That was, <laughs> and it was funny because we had my grandmother had this record from Aretha Franklin, uh, the Amazing Grace live record. That's Bernard Purdy on drums. Right. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 you know the King Curtis band with Bernard on drums, the whole thing, and it's funny because it's like that same dude did that, and he's on the Steely Dan record. And you're like, wow, this is so cool. You know, I, I found that out a little bit later that there was the same guy on on those yeah. records. But I was like, man, this is kind of cool. All right, I I get this guy's thing, and and I kind of went down this rabbit hole of studying Bernard from wow. from you know listening to Steely Dan and, and some of that stuff. But he's uh, a good study for or a good case for you know being a drummer in the studio, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. Yeah. Be the solution. Be the one like, yeah, we like what he's doing. That's mm-hmm. do that again. Yep. You know, like they you like you so much for what you do, you bring to the table exactly. that they're gonna call you again and say, Oh God, he was so great. Oh, Instead yeah. of like it was yeah, he he kept up, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah, and then you know and, and so then through the years of being in Nashville, like I said, mostly a lot of demos, some independent records, and then uh fast forward a few years ago, I guess now I'm so Wow, I, mean, I guess it's now eight years ago. I did the first record with Kev Mo. Oh right! Oh, uh, how was that? That, was, that, must that was great. That was amazing. The Blues Americana record. And I said that was eight years ago, but it may have been like maybe seven years ago. But um, and then from then, I've played on every Kev record he's done, which That's has been really awesome. cool. Yeah. Which has won Grammys and all the fun That's stuff. Amazing. And all that, and then. Uh, and that's kind of what's really funny is like from being in the country world, I haven't done a whole lot of mainstream country records. Um, I've done a lot of this, a lot of like independent stuff, a lot of the demos, or get to be on one song on a record kind of thing. Yeah. Like, oh, we bumped the demo up for you know to a to a master, and you happen to be the drummer on that. Oh wow! <laughs> Which is like okay, I'm cool with that. You like know, how many uh, times have we? in the country world, especially around in the 90s, had to emulate Lonnie Wilson and play his, what yep. he played. Exactly, you know? yeah. <laughs> like, hey, man, Paul, you know, yeah. Eddie. I but mean, someone like Paul Lime, he's more of a chameleon, you know, you're like he, he fits the song so perfectly, totally. you can't even tell it's anybody, you know. That's true. And it's just great drums. He is. Someone like Lonnie Wilson, who's great, who's amazing, but he has that style of like smack, that oh, real, yeah. that, and he had that, that snare loud drum backbeat, too, man. man. And, oh. Yeah. Oh. That four by fourteen Yamaha snare drum. That was the sound Ooh. of the '90s, man. <laughs> that I mean, like, was, that line, you know. And I, I keep my radio on uh, uh, one of the country uh, XM satellite stations, uh-huh. you know, um, and uh, like Y two Y two country. And there's another one that has some, a lot of '90s country in it. Right. And sometimes I'll sit there and listen to one Lonnie Wilson after another, after yeah. another, after. And another. you know, it's, it's like, him too, man. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. It is funny because, like, you know, Lonnie, Lonnie and McHugh. On that Wade Hayes stuff, that early that, Wade Hayes stuff. Right, that yeah. was Lonnie. Yeah. Lonnie, Lonnie and Chris McHugh are on a couple of things, and it's really weird too because like they both, strangely enough, kind of have a little. The styles yeah. aren't similar, but they kind of have a thing, where like there's some records that I thought was McHugh that end up being Lonnie. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, like some of the Carrie Underwood stuff. 
that I thought was Chris McHugh is actually right. Lonnie Wilson. I was wow, like, yeah. whoa, I would have Because Lonnie switched to a fatter snare or a bigger yeah, sound a bigger or something. Yeah, bigger sound. Yeah, and and I was like, like, that sounds like, that's what yeah, I was thinking. I would have never thought that was him at all. Right. Or, or, or on like on some of the new, like the other Randy Hauser stuff, that's Lonnie Wilson on that. And I'm like, wow, yeah, man. Yeah. You know, and he's, you know, that guy's always, he seems to be always keeping up with the times and, yeah. and or, or just being someone that people want in the times. You know? I remember... Um, Lonnie Wilson telling me story about Don Cook, how he would tell him on a song. He they have you know you you, you develop a language with a producer, you yeah. know, as a drummer or any musician, you kind of develop your own language. And he would say, "Hey, Lonnie, uh, um, uh, Don Cook would say, Lonnie, can you dumb it up a little bit?" And when you hear him do that, and you hear yeah. on something like I don't know what like a honky tonk, uh, honky tonk truth that song, yeah, yeah. you know, you know, yep. song, sort of a shuffle and sort of a straight, but uh-huh. kind of like it's sort of is it? No, it's kind of a little more the other way. Yeah, it's kind of almost like that's almost like his way of sort of dumbing it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, know? totally. And yeah. he would say, "Can you make it a little more dumb?" <laughs> you know, and that. so yeah, so he yeah. would actually <laughs> add like fills in there that were like yeah, yeah. You know? I love like, that. Oh, that's so cool. But, uh, yeah. oh, what a great drama. I've been trying to get um, Lonnie Wilson on my podcast for a long time. He's been a real busy guy, you yeah, know, and he's, he's hard to track down. But someday soon I'm going to yeah. have him on here. Lonnie, come on, man. Come on, come Lonnie. Come do it. Come do it. we got a lot to cover. we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> I talked to him yesterday, actually, just briefly. I went and saw his band. He does that uh, the Petty Tom joke. Petty thing. Yeah. 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 I went and saw that, and I was like, man, it sounded great. Because, you know, it's, it's funny to, like, that band is full of stars, you know, oh, that, you totally, know, it's, yeah. you know, uh, you have like Mark Hill, uh, I think, I think Garth Fundus is in that band. Is Bukovac doing that or did he? He may have one time, I know Tom when I saw them, Jeremy Fearson was playing, I know, I've known Jerry for years and, and it was just fun like to go see those dudes, like, wow, man, and then I'm playing the Teddy stuff, you're like, this is so cool. <laughs> that would be so I think, awesome to go see I think see Brady that. Sills was singing. Oh, you know? that's right. Yeah. yeah. So like. That's another you know unique voice that you would know. You're like, all yeah, right. I gotta get know. out and see them sometime. They're usually at Third and Lindsley uh, here in Nashville. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Petty Junkies or whatever. Yeah, Petty Junkies. Yeah, and you know, so in Third and Lindsley, I would say, man, like, what a great establishment that was a big part of my musical career and growing up and developing because they always had great music there. Like, you know, because you remember this, but like, six o'clock for showcases. Yeah, right. You know, and then labels it was, would, yeah, the labels would have there. Yeah, Paul in there, and it would be, you know, the some of the greatest musicians. Now, for those who don't people. know, uh, Showcase is, uh, is like a band that's starting to get a record deal or something. They would uh, put on a, sh- a free show and invite out on purpose all of the labels and management mm-hmm. and people like that just so they could say, hey, you know, we're this band and we're looking yeah. for a manager or whatever label. Yeah. It was like the, it's like the, a live EPK. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah right. No, it's like, come yeah. see us. Come see you us know? play. And can... Yeah. And it was cool because you know, they would, so they would have that. So that'd be six o'clock. And usually the six o'clock, any of the show, any of those like showcases would be like artist A, duo or band, but they, they usually have, Whoever played on the demos, so it'd be Greg Morrow. Yeah, right. See, that's true. You would that's see uh, Chad Cromwell. You see Nick Buda. Um, sometimes Shannon Forrest. Um, I got to be on a lot of, on some of that stuff. Uh, not that I'm anywhere near as cool as those guys, but I got you are. You I got are. to be. Oh, I, I got some of those calls because they couldn't do them. <laughs> but uh, but you know, between that place and and also in Exit In, but you know, so you had the showcase thing, and then at eight o'clock you had some other kind of gig. And then late night, you'd have some kind of, like, funk jazz thing that was happening. And the fact that they would do that, like, seven nights a week 
for a young kid like myself, like trying to figure out the scene, mm-hmm. trying to meet musicians and all that. It's like just you would just go where the music was. Like Broadway at that time was was kind of a it's it was a place that you went to party, not necessarily to hear great music. And yeah. there's nothing you mean Broadway in Nashville, in Nashville like on Broadway yeah. Street, yeah, right. And it wasn't. It, it, and there's nothing against people playing at that time because there was there was some great players playing at at that time, especially during the week. On the weekends, it was a little. I say it wasn't bad on the weekends. It was just weekends were more t- catered t- towards partying. Yeah. But during the week, you could hear, you can go down and hear some like really solid like country like Stone Cold country music because they didn't play yeah. any rock stuff in those days. It was like all honky tonks. You had to know music. all that stuff. Yeah, and you had to know. It. And it was yeah. I mean that was a great learning tool to go down and like be down on Broadway for four to eight hours and listen to music was like killer. Um, but then if you want to hear something other than country, you would go to third Lindsley or accident, right, yeah, right. but, uh, or 12th and Porter yeah. or accident. But the cool thing about, uh, third Lindsley is that they would kind of have, you know, every Monday would be the time. Now it's like the time jumpers on Tuesdays would be the, the players for six weeks or on Wednesdays it was the Wooten brothers on Thursday. Yeah. Be this, and then you knew that, once or twice a month, you'll see the Fortunate Sons play, which was Michael Rose, um, uh, Gary Nicholson, uh, Pat Buchanan. I think. Oh no, Kenny Greenberg was in that band, uh, and uh, Chad Crumwell and Reese Winans. You wow. go, you would go see those dudes play at a tiny bar, and it'd be like the most amazing music ever. And of course, the, it helps that when they have a great sound system in there. Yeah, that they too, do. That's, you know, true, that's yeah. a good way to start it out. Because those was, players, they want to play in there they, because when there's a good sound system. If exactly. it's not a good sound system, they're like, mm. Exactly. And it was so cool that, you know, you could, any day of the week, I mean, you can do that now, but, like, you know, any day of the week, go and see music for $5 or for free if they liked you. You know, like, yeah. it was it was so cool, and, and those guys were all doing what I wanted to do. You know, it's like, it's 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 kind of goofy how, like, Nashville or, or, any, or and I could say any kind of thing in particular, but, like, it's cool to be around your peers and be around people that want to do what you're doing. But at some point in time, you got to hang out with people who are doing what you want, what you what you want to do because you got to figure out how they did it. Yeah. Right. And it's something that I have some friends who are songwriters and I tell them this all the time. They get together in their own little circle and they like share their songs. And I think that's cool, but you're not writing songs to share with your friends. You're trying to write songs to get cut. You're trying to write songs for whatever you're trying to be on your own yeah. artist. So you need to like start trying to write with or at least hang out with people who are doing what you want to do. Hang out with, you know, you can hang out with a successful songwriter and not have to talk about songwriting. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, you know, or, or at least get to a point where you're, you're comfortable enough or they're comfortable enough to where like, hey, can I ask you some questions about how you made it? Yeah. How can I do this? You know, whatever. Because that goes a long way. Like, at least yeah. for myself, it's like, man, I want to, I want to do studio stuff. And so I met Eddie Bears, I met Mark Beckett, I met Cromwell, I met, you know, Shannon, all, all those guys, and, and, and McHugh, and I would get tips on how to do it so that when I got that phone call to do it, I didn't suck too bad, you know? And so it was like, I could have just been asking my, 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 just my regular homies, like, hey, man, you want to be a session guy too, right? Yeah, so what do you, want, what do you think we need to do? I don't know. <laughs> Shit, okay, cool. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> I got this cool groove. Okay, sweet. Okay, cool. Uh, but how do we get higher? You know, you know, and and it's funny because like that that was the beauty of Third Lindsay. It's like you could see someone play, and afterwards you can go to them and say, "Hey, my name is Keo Stroud. I just went to Nashville. You're Chad Cromwell. One day, can I pick your brain about something?" And they go, "Yeah, man." 
and then it's up to you if you call him or not, yeah. which I, I never called Chad. Up until recently, I called him. I was like, hey, man, I need some help with something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, do you remember me? I was that kid. You know. You said. You said. I can <laughs> you call. You said anytime. <laughs> but, you know, it, but it was, but that was the, such a lovely thing about that. You know, the, you go see the Wooten Brothers on Plan Wednesdays, and you can go up to Reggie Wooten and be like, hey, Reggie, I want to take a lesson about music. I, I play drums, you play guitar, but I hear you you give this whole thing about music or, you know, or whoever. And that was, to me, that was the beauty of Third Lindsley as far as it being part of the community where you can go and just be, you know, just reach out to people. It's like, hey, yeah. man, I want to do what you're doing. Can Help me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and they, and they would, you know, kind of thing. Or at least they would try to, or at least they, or they put you in the right direction. And, you know, it's just something that people should still do. Yeah. Like, just don't hang out with people that's, that want to do what you're doing. Hang out with people that are doing what you want to do. Yeah. And and see, even if you don't ask them questions, you can see yeah. how to do things. I remember years ago, uh, this is probably 2003, Dave McAfee, who plays drums with Toby Keith, he was like, hey, man, like, we're doing production rehearsals at Bridgestone, and you should come out. And I was like, okay, I will. And so I went and watched the new you know production rehearsals and I, as i'm sitting there i'm watching it all go down i'm like man they're not playing a whole lot there's a bunch of other stuff going on but they're not rehearsing like yeah. this is not what i thought production like i yeah, thought right. i was gonna i thought i was being invited to something where they're gonna be playing i'm like just stopping so cool. the song and work yeah. let's work that session that part it, out never that it was like okay lights here okay now band let's play up oh, stop okay well the inflatable balloon didn't go up <laughs> so let's start this up you know God. And wow. and I just sat there and I was like, oh man, this is this is next level. Like, this is what it takes. Full production I didn't rehearsal. Know, yeah, like I didn't know. It's like a movie set or something. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know what what it took to go into. We you know what it took to go into a show like that. It is or like or hate Toby Keith, but like yeah. the show, like the, the hours they put in to put on a show like that was incredible. Wow. And so now, so after he did that, I was like, hey man, like. Anytime you guys do stuff like that, do you mind if I come hang out? And he's like, dude, totally. Everybody loves you. You're good. And and I reached out to Jim Riley one time. Uh, they were doing the Brooks and Dunn tour. I can't remember if it was a Neon Circus tour or not, but it was Brooks and Dunn, Rascal Flats, Brad Paisley, someone else, someone else. <laughs> er, yeah. And I do – and what's funny is I remember that because I remember all the drummers. Uh, Scotty Hawkins was still playing drums with Brooks and Dunn that okay, time. Okay, yeah. Uh, Jim Riley was playing with the Flats. Ben was playing with uh, Paisley. Nick Buda was playing with someone who I can't remember was. And I think Jim Bloodgood was the other drummer on that tour. And it wasn't Sarah Evans, but I think it was playing with somebody else. But I, I, I got invited. I went and saw it. Just watch how they were just rehearsing the set changes and all that. And and it's funny because like, that's going a little overboard, but it's so nice to know those things when you go into a gig, especially if you start getting doing bigger gigs. Yeah. Um, you know, so like going in and subbing for like a Cody Johnson or, or getting the Big and Rich gig or doing Little Big Town or whatever gigs that you do that have some sort of production, it's it's cool to go and watch those things and know what to do when it's your time to be in production rehearsals. And usually you just sit there and shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but but, but yeah and wait your turn but most people don't know that some people think oh man well i'm gonna go and just well, while they're working on lights i'm gonna go rattle off on the drums well they gotta talk to each other they gotta hear yeah. what's going on and yeah. you're you know you're 
you got to be respectful to the whole production exactly, crew. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And, and so just learning about that, learning about, like, proper load-ins or, you know, like, uh, in, you know, in the early, let's say early, in the early days, but, you know, when you had to share drum kits with somebody, yeah. and you're like, well, well, thanks for letting me use your drums. I can't, I'm not going to move anything. Yeah. And just realizing how to do that. Yeah. I remember one time, uh, Wade opened for Joe Nichols for something, and Ron Ganaway was playing drums with Joe Nichols. Yeah, right. And Ron Ganaway is a foot taller than me. <laughs> so, he was with Steve Warner all those years, right? He was, yeah. And also Gretchen Wilson. And, and Gretchen, yeah. So I had to play, I had to play Ron's kit as is. <laughs> right. And actually, everything is high and flat. Right. I've seen that. Yeah. And uh, I sat down. I brought my own drum, uh, my own drum uh, throne, and I brought my snare stand. And I used everything else as his. And the rack tom was above my head. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody give me a ladder. Yeah. I can't move it. <laughs> I guess that I'm happened, not playing tom. <laughs> that happened one time. And then we were, one time we were doing a session with Rodney uh, Crowell. And it was me and Greg Morrow both on the session. And we were just swapping out songs. Like, it was just one kit there. Like, Greg would play, I would play kind of thing. And uh, I remember playing, and, and we, every song I played, I'd never played the rack time because I couldn't reach it. And I remember the engineer, he just goes, hey, love, are you ever going to hit that rack time? <laughs> I said, I can't reach it. He goes, he goes, fair enough. Fair enough. Can you hit it underneath? Can you hit the bottom? <laughs> I'm just wondering if I can turn that microphone off. I was like, yeah, you can turn it off, Pete. Wow. I'm not going to hit it. I can't wow. reach it. I can't reach that thing. That's funny. <laughs> remember the days when uh, the drummers would sort of be buried back there? Under the, well, you're probably too young to remember this, but in the 70s and 80s, you know, the big rock with the big toms, you, would, oh, you yeah. were lucky to see the top of That's the drummer's true, head, yeah. maybe. You know, yeah. And then it went to that sort of minimalistic hit yep. of just the – yeah, I'm I'm fairly small, so like anytime I play any kit bigger than a four piece, sometimes it's hard to see me back there too. Yeah, <laughs> I just started sitting higher though. I set very low. Yeah, I say very low. I set low, which is normal for me, but I set low for a long time, and just recently I raised my seat to being higher than you would think. Yeah, because I'm five four, sure I think. So maybe five two, but whatever. Um, I, I raised my seat up. I went. So I uh, I did PASIC a few years ago, which is the Percussive Art Society, uh, their international convention. I I did a uh, I did a clinic there, and I was there for most of the week. And I got to see this guy Ash Sohn play, who's like this British guy uh-huh. who is like like the session meister, killer, great drummer. Like what's the name again? His name is Ash Sohn. Ash Sohn. S O A N. I have to look that up. Uh, killer drummer, like. You love him. He's like he can he can do funny creative stuff. When I say funny, but fun creative stuff. But he also is like just a pocket dude. Just like and he's got a great like kind of like halftime pretty shuffle or Carl shuffle cool. thing going on. It's killer. Um, but I went. I remember seeing him play, and Ash is a little bit taller than me, and he sat fairly high, and I was like, ooh, hmm. Yeah. Why are you sitting so high? So I talked to him, and I was like, hey, man, why are you sitting so high? And he was like, because I want to. No, anyway. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, he had this whole thing. I want them to see thing. me. Yeah, he had this whole thing of just being, kind of being in the drum kit thing. And yeah. when he sat lower, like like most of us do, we, we sit lower in our, young, in our younger years. and then But as he got uh, older, he wanted to sit a little bit higher and had the kit kind of underneath him as opposed to him kind of reaching up. Yeah, he was I see, like yeah. having – having to do that and then Sean Pelton does the same thing Sean sits pretty high and, and there are two drummers I really like 
I like I like their pot. I like to watch them play because I like their posture because they're kind of above the kit without like they're not like hovering over the kit, but yeah. like everything feels comfortable. Yeah, you know, using where, a little more gravity instead of it, like having to. Yeah, like instead fight of like. It. Yeah, like because you know you see those clips of the early years of Vinny Calyuta where he's sitting like yeah. nine inches off the ground. You're like that can't be good. Yeah. For your back or anything. <laughs> oh, right. You know, so. your knees are higher than your waist. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, like, li- yeah. And so right. I started sitting a little bit higher. And then last year with Big and Rich, my kit was 226s. Oh, I see. Yeah. So um, I had to sit higher. Yeah. <laughs> it was, that was, everything was higher. Like everything was higher. Like, the, you know, every, I, I played three, I played 10, 12, 13, 16, 20, and wow. then played 226s and 222s. A 20 inch um, floor time? Yeah. Wow. I always thought an 18 was massive. <laughs> yeah. But, man, a 20. Yeah. And so uh, I had to sit higher for that, too. Yeah. And that was great. But the what was really funny is I played both bass drums at the time. Uh, you're not, you know, because I am a little shorter, playing 226s, my legs were a bit further apart. Than right, of course. Yeah. So I was and like, your okay. high end would be like way over there. Right, right it was way over there, too. <laughs> So eventually I hit up Pearl and I was like, hey guys, can I get, I need two 22 inch kick drums. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we brought those in and I had the 22s, but I liked the height I was sitting at, yeah. which was the higher height. So I, I, I kept that going, but at least the drums got to be a little bit closer. But sitting yeah. up high and having the drums further away was like, it was less, it was not desirable. I said that after yeah. the show, I was like, ah, oh, it kind of hurt. This is not fun. So we, so we ended up putting the 26s on the outside. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, and I played one of them. I didn't, one was a refrigerator. Go <laughs> 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 figure, right? So <laughs> one was a refrigerator. Uh, the other one was a cooler. Cause I didn't, and then I played the 122 and I played the other 26. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's like, <laughs> actually, I played this 26. Is um, Two Foot Fred still around? Is he still doing anything? You know, I think he lives in Indiana. He comes out oh, every now and then. Yeah. Uh, we still, uh, Cowboy Troy is still out there, though. Oh, cool. He's I still, love Cowboy yeah, Troy. He's great. I saw him yesterday. So I'm two wow. days ago. He That's was cool. John had an event at his house. And so um, I saw Troy. And actually, it's funny. I saw Troy Gretchen, uh, Tim Rushlow. Uh, oh, cool. I saw uh, actually Richard McDonald was there. Yeah, like I was like all these <laughs> random people were were playing at John's house, and we were the backing band. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is also I like his fun. house with the stage and everything in there. Yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty cool, and uh, and I was you know, I, and it's like to circle back to that, but it's like it's really funny. Uh, one of the cool things about playing with John was that he always had these house things. Yeah, and so and the house and his band is a house band. So you never know who's showing up, right? And so you you're expected would, to know kind of some things, or yeah. At least be able oh to yeah, pull like, it out. It's like, hey, so Dave Mustaine's coming. That's cool. Okay. Uh, you, uh, you guys know? Let uh, me Google that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're like, uh, you uh, Yeah, like, okay. So, so what songs does he want to do? And he's like, well, he wants to do Symphony of Destruction. Okay. Okay. That's, that's oh, I can look oh, all right. Oh, there, well, that's a tough one. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, and D. Snyder's coming by the house. Okay, okay. cool. All right. Twisted oh, sister. Oh, Oak Ridge Boys. Okay, sweet. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh, Little John. Who? What? Uh. Uh, you know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so it, <laughs> which that's a whole other thing. You know, get to go go down in that that whole spill there. But yeah. So what's happening now? What are, what's what's up for the future for you? So, you, you did leave Big and Rich. So I did. I just, just left, yeah, I left Big and Rich a couple months ago. Um, it was heartbreaking. Did not want to do it, but needed to do it. I, I played with them for almost eight years, and man, everybody was so sweet. Like 
Kenny's great. John's great. Troy, you know, management. Everybody's totally cool. The other guys in the band. Um, but, you know, after being there for almost eight years, it was just like, man, I, I want to do something different. You want to spend some time with your daughter, too, I want right? to spend time with my kid. Uh, she's well, 15, and she's getting older, and she, and she wants to go to school here. And she needs a $5,000 drum kit. She wants a $5,000 drum set, yes, which means I should probably I should keep working. Uh, <laughs> but she, hey, John. Uh, hey, bro, you might have to come back. I just need to make five grand, okay? Um, so uh, she wants to go to school. She wanted to go to school at Belmont. Um, my daughter also is a wrestler, which is hilarious. Um, in a lot of ways, just funny. Wow. Right? It's, very I, cool. and, and, and it's hilarious is in like, I'm very proud of her because I couldn't do it. I don't like pain. So there's that. <laughs> um, but so she, but she wanted to go, she wants to go to Belmont or MCSU or Vanderbilt. So, um, I was like, all right, cool. Well then this is a perfect time for me to be home for you to come, come to Nashville more often because she lives in Wisconsin, come to Nashville more often and just visit and get a lay of the land and see if you actually want to live here. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she could also go to school anywhere she wants. You know, she's a smart kid, mm-hmm. does what she wants to do, but it gives me an opportunity to hang out with her. And the best way to do that was to have my weekends off. Because right. we all know country music only happens on the weekends right. unless you're in Nashville. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. You know, if you're in Nashville, it's, it's, it's seven days a week. But if you're touring, it's Friday, Saturday. Some, yeah. Sometimes on Sunday, and kids are off school, out and, of school on the weekend. School and so, on yeah, the weekends, so yeah, so it, it's and it's already worked out. Where she's, we've already made a couple trips back and forth. I've gone up to see her. She's come down to see me. Where I have the time to do it. Um, now, what's crazy about that is, is it doesn't lean for work <laughs> <laughs> right. really a whole lot, but but yet it does. So like, I can track drums from home. So I can still I still do demos That's for people. Idea. Uh, from from my house, or go to an actual studio and do it. I still make some records every now and then, or, or do sessions for records. You know. And you're learning how to build cases, right? And I'm learning how to build. And, <laughs> and filling the gaps. Dear to my dear to my dear friend Rodney uh, Edmondson, I am learning how to build road cases, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's it is like, cool, isn't it? It's cool, and he's so good at it. Like. He's the he's been building cases forever, and he's also a fantastic drummer. I said this; he's an amazing drummer first, and then he builds cases also. Um, but just learning the process of how he builds the cases, everything that goes into building cases. Uh, true story: I will never ever nickel and dime someone for a case anymore. Right? Because you know what goes into it. Yeah. I know what yeah, goes into right. it. You know, just the, just the prep work mm-hmm. of of putting the case together. Someone asked me today, and the rivets and, that and that. yeah, they were like, "Hey, like, so how many?" Just, this person has no idea about me. She goes, how many boxes a day do you build? And I was like, well, I, you don't. Like, basically, you do four days of prep work, you know, cutting and all measuring and all that stuff. And then once you get all that done and every and all the small things assembled, then you can probably do eight to ten boxes complete a day when yeah. once everything is done. But it takes four days to get to that point. Right. I never really knew that, and I'm a very impatient person. So... I never knew that it took all of that to make a case. Yeah. And so I have a whole new respect for, for that. Because you know, it goes from designing it, yeah. then it goes to actually cutting out the parts, assembling, maybe messing up, putting more stuff together. I've made a couple mistakes over there already. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it really uh, made me respect that skill a lot more. Yeah. Or, or any sort of, like, carpentry skill, you know, where, like, you measure, you cut, and being, yeah. it being exact, and, and then just 
you know, like you, you have drum cases where you, it's like, wow, how do you fit all these drums in this one thing? <laughs> right. And you're like, okay, well, someone literally had to sit there and do the math. Figure it out, measure it out. And yeah, measure. I've had to do that before where they say, okay, how do you want this case to go? Yeah. So you have to figure out, well, I got this drum and that drum, and I want these two on top of each other with a little divider in between. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. And so it, it's been fun, man. So that's kind of been keeping me busy. It's And it's funny because I, I'm – as strange as it is, like I'm not doing it necessarily as a job, as more of as a I'm home, I want something to do, and it just happens to pay money also. Because yeah. um, I'm still playing music, like I still I play bar gigs in town. I'm doing some touring uh, next month with the guy, uh, and then this summer, I, who knows? Maybe yeah. I could be home, I could be gone. But the but the biggest thing is that I want it to be I want it to be in c- control of my schedule. Yeah, um, your daughter. And and she, so if I want yeah. if my kid wants to hang out with me, it's only gonna, if if I want to hang out with her. I always want to <laughs> hang out with her. Of course. If, she's, if she wants to hang out with me, we now have the option to make that happen more yeah. than we had in the past because I would you know you're on a, you're on someone else's schedule. I mean you're you're yeah. in the band, but like you know even then you're still kind of on other people's schedules and. And it's not always you, you know, making a decision about it. So it's like, this way I can make a decision. If I don't want to work on April second, I don't have to work on April second. Yeah. Like, I just, no one, no one can be mad at me yeah. if, for not working on April second, or no one can fire me because I said, hey guys, I got something going on. You know what I mean? And I also feel like my kid is has made more sacrifices than I have when it comes to that stuff, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, I'm going to come see you, and it's like, oh, we have a gig now. Yeah, right. I can't. And, and she's been cool. She's like, oh, Dad, I get it. It's cool. Like, you're fine. And I go, it's not. Is it, bro? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's part of life, but yeah. is, it, is it really fine? I don't think so, but, you know. So, yeah. well, that being said, I'm, I'm home now at the moment to focus on doing more sessions, playing in town, um, learning how to build cases. There you um, go. Yeah. You and, then who, and then who knows? Like you know, if obviously if the right thing, you know, if, if John Fogarty calls me like right now and says, "Hey, Keo, will you pl- come play this summer?" I'm probably gonna say yes. <laughs> you course, know, yeah. I'm probably gonna be like, "Yeah, man, I'll do that." Yeah, so you know, John I'll, Fogarty. Uh, yeah, you know. Heck yeah. Something you know, yeah. That, Brooks and Dunn calls. Yeah, we'll do it. You know. Okay. So we'll, it will. Nice to have choices. It'd be yeah. It'd be nice to have choices, and it's nice to. It's, as silly as it sounds, it's nice to, especially with the case thing, it's nice to not focus on music 24-7. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's like you spend 20, 30, 40 years of your life every day waking up going, okay. Drums, drums. Drums, drums, <laughs> music, music business. You know, because, you know, like, yeah. you you know, you basically wake up and you're like, we're, we're, all, we're, we're all a business. So you wake up and you go, all right. How do I keep my business afloat? That's what you do when you wake mm-hmm. up in the morning. You're like, how do I keep, how do what, what I have to do to keep my business afloat? Okay, do I need to play some more gigs here? How do I get to this next level? How do I do this? How, how, how? Yeah. And after you know, it's like, it's five hours of you like thinking about something and you haven't figured out anything. Except for like, oh, I'm gonna go drink over here a little bit later. You know, I mean, that's the only thing you have is that you're gonna go to Red Door and have a drink, as as opposed to like, have you really figured out something? And the cool thing is, for me right now, it's like I'm going in, and I'm literally just like I'm working with my hands. I'm learning a different skill, so my focus is there, which puts some of the other stuff on the back burner, which is great. Some of the stuff that used to bother me, like, oh, my God, I have to do this. I got to do this. And it's like, you don't have to do that. Like, I don't have to go to Forks and buy a snare drum today. Yeah. I'm doing it because I'm bored. <laughs> you know, I don't need, you know, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to 
you know, get a new symbol. I don't have to get a new road case. I don't have to do any yeah. of these things. I'm doing them because I'm bored. And I saw, I was on Instagram and I saw that someone else had one. I want one now, you know? Yeah. So it's like, but now it's like, man, you know what? This is good for me. I, I get to step away from it. It's like being on an airplane, you know, before, yeah. on an airplane before you had internet on an airplane. Yeah. Right. It's like reading a book. It's it's very much as satisfying Relaxing, as reading a book. good mental health, yeah. yeah. Yeah, where it's like, you know, you if you if you read a book and you do it right, you find yourself in the book, yeah. right? Well, I, I kind of find myself in into the case thing, you know. It's as silly as that sounds. Like, yeah. I, I just, I go, okay, all right, I just grommet here. That, yeah. Oh, different grommet. Uh-oh, I've lost the grommets. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So, oh, cool, yeah. Man. But it's, yeah, anyway, all that being said, it's it's been fun. And it's also helped me... Uh, kind of go back to being a kid because I listen to music all day, you know. I, and I'm, true, not, yeah. I'm not having to learn a bunch of songs every day. I'm actually just like going back listen and listening for enjoyment. And, yeah, yeah. You know. and you can listen to whatever you want to. You I, don't have to, you know, exactly. You know, you're not forced to listen to these songs or that song. I know. It's like, I mean, I was like listening to like Seven Dust today. I was like, this is cool. And and then they went from that to Rosemary Clooney. Like I had like I spent like the past three hours listening to Rosemary Clooney songs. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> which I never That's really cool. listened to Rosemary Clooney before until today, and it's like, man, this is dope. This is cool. Like, That's cool. well, I had to singer. ask you that because, like, when we talked earlier, you said something like, "Well, I'll, I'll be there in a little bit. I'm, I'm working. I'm building some cases today." Like, huh? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it's fun. I'm, I'm just there a couple of days a week, but it's fun. And man. you have it's a good like, buddy that works there. And yeah. they say, Hey, you want to come watch? You want to come help me build cases? They're like, Yeah. Yeah, I know. Cool. And it's, and it's cool because some, one of the things we love about Rodney is like. I don't, I don't know how old he is, but he's 60-something, I think. But the, the best part about it is he is very up-to-date with music. So uh, depending on the day, if I'm not listening to my own stuff, he has a PA back there, and it's like cool. Pantera. Oh, wow. Or nice. like yesterday was like Tony McAlpine. Imagine like, making your living, making cases all day and listening to music and just yeah, like you know, the just day like, would slip away and you'd be like. Yeah, it's uh, like, I mean, I was there yesterday. I was supposed to leave yesterday at 1.00. And at 5.30, I left. Oh, yeah, there you go. Because we were just, like, we were listening to music and, and just joking Neat around. environment. And, yeah, it was cool, so. Well, thank you so much for coming by here yeah, and talking to you. me and everything. It's been so cool. I know, yeah, man. And, uh, I've learned so much about you and your career and what you've done. And <laughs> I didn't really know you before. I mean, I've met you before, yeah, but we I met, never yeah. really knew your history, and it's really We've good met to a few times, yeah. talk to you. And someone else that's played with John Rich, <laughs> John Rich stories. <laughs> I know. You know, it's funny. You know, the first time I met you, you guys were doing rehearsals at uh, at Soundcheck, and I think I'm trying to get this right. I think Marty Ware was your sound guy. Okay, right. and I came to see Marty. Yeah. Okay. Right. Marty Ware. And uh, and you guys were in between drum techs, and he oh, was, right. and they were like, "Hey, man, you should come by, like, and see if you're interested in being Keith's drum tech." <laughs> I was like, "I'll come check out his set." Uh, yeah. And you were playing a Mapex kit at yeah. that time. It was. It must have been the. That that teal greenish one or something I think like so, that. Yeah. yeah, right. But I just—it's so yeah. funny. I remember going and like, and like coming and hanging out and, yeah. and seeing it. And we met just kind of briefly. It was like, hey, hey, like, all right, I'm seeing you. I'm out. You guys are rehearsing, kind of thing. But I think I remember that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been like, a few it's years been, ago. It's been a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. well, thank you so, so much again for stopping by. Oh, and, thank uh, you, man. Come by yeah. here anytime to the cave, and we'll hang I'll, out. And I'll maybe I'll come by there and help you build some cases. <laughs> that just sounds like so much fun. <laughs> All right, see ya.